time marches on, archaeologists all over the world have been discovering ancient cities that were once thought to be myths or legends. Troy, Xanadu, Helic, Great Zimbabwe, Lepis Magna, Heraklion, La Coudette Blanca, Irum of the Pillars, Mississur, and Urkesh are but just a few of these lost cities which were eventually forgotten with the passage of time, until some wanderer or historian accidentally or intentionally discovered the ruins. Thanks to these people, we came to know of these hidden beautiful places in the world, and it seems there is no end to the list of the lost cities of the ancient world. Among them, the ancient city of Dwarka is perhaps the most profound. Until recently, the very existence of the city of Dwarka was relegated to the category of myth. There are numerous legends about the city. The most prominent one is found in the ancient epic of the Mahabharata. It is well established that events described in the epic took place at around 3100 BCE. After defeating and killing his uncle Kansa, Krishna decided to migrate with his people from Mathura to Dwarka with a purpose of establishing a new city. According to the legend, he reclaimed 96 square kilometers of land from the sea to do it. It is said that to build the city, Krishna summoned Vishwakarma, the architect of demigods who supposedly constructed Dwarka in one day. The Mahabharata gives many detailed descriptions of the ancient glorious city. Quote, the city was filled with the sounds of birds and bees flying about the parks and pleasure gardens while its lakes, crowded with blooming lotuses, resounded with the calls of swans and cranes. Dwarka boasted 900,000 royal palaces, all constructed with crystal and silver and splendorously decorated with huge emeralds. Inside these palaces, the furnishings were bedecked with gold and jewels. Traffic moved along a well-laid-out system of boulevards, roads, intersections, and marketplaces, and many assembly houses and temples of demigods graced the charming city. The roads, courtyards, commercial streets, and residential patios were all sprinkled with water and shaded from the sun's heat by banners waving from flagpoles. According to the Bhavagata Purana, Dwarka was attacked by King Salva using his Vimana. The description of the battle suggests it was fought with advanced technology and weapons, potentially even with a craft attacking from orbit. The spacecraft commenced an attack on the city with the use of energy weapons, which to the onlookers resembled a discharge of lightning, and it was so devastating that after the attack, most of the city lay in ruins. He besieged the city with a large army, O best of the Baradas, disseminating the outlying parks and gardens, the mansions along with their observatories, towering gateways and surrounding walls, and also the public recreation areas. From his excellent Vimana, he threw down a torrent of projectiles. A fierce vortex arose and blanketed the entire area with billowing dust. Lord Krishna counterattacked and fired his weapons on the ship. They looked like arrows, yet they roared like thunder and shone like rays of the sun when released. This description sounds more like a modern-day missile. According to the Mahabharata, the city was flooded and submerged by the Arabian Sea. The sea, which has been beating against the shores, suddenly broke the boundary that was imposed on it by nature. 
It rushed into the city, coursing through the beautiful city streets and covered up everything in the city. I saw the beautiful buildings becoming submerged one by one. In a matter of a few moments, it was all over. The sea had now become as placid as a lake. There was no trace of the city. Dwarka was just a name, just a memory. The Vishnu Purana also mentions the submersion of Dwarka, stating, On the same day that Krishna departed from the earth, the powerful dark-bodied Kali Age, the Age of Vice, descended. The oceans rose and submerged the whole of Dwarka. If you were to research the lost city of Dwarka nowadays, one of the first things you will notice on the internet is a great many articles and blogs that lead you to believe that this was a recent discovery. And in relative terms, one could make that assertion. However, the first excavations began nearly 100 years ago in the 1930s, around the island of Bet Dwarka, which is about 30 kilometers north of the modern-day Dwarka. More excavations were conducted in the 1960s, but yielded no conclusive results. In the 1980s, Dr. S.R. Rao with the Marine Archaeology Unit of the National Institute of Oceanography undertook an extensive search of the city along the coast and finally succeeded in finding it off the Gujarat coast. Between 1983 and 1990, the well-fortified township of Dwarka was discovered, extending more than half a mile from the shore. Dwarka extended up to Bet Dwarka in the north and Okamadi in the south. Eastward, it extended up to Pindera. The general layout of the city of Dwarka described in ancient text agrees with that of the submerged city discovered by the MAU. In his work, The Lost City of Dwarka, Dr. Rao outlined the scientific details of these discoveries and artifacts. According to him, the clue to the existence of ancient Dwarka near the modern town of Dwarka was found during archaeological excavation near the Dwarkadish Temple in 1979 and 80. Eroded debris and pottery provided evidence of a port town destroyed by sea about 3,500 years ago. This evidence is what led to the early excavations in the Arabian Sea near the mouth of the Gamadi River, where the modern town of Dwarka stands. Dwarka was supposed to have been built on six blocks, two on the right bank and four on the left. All the six sectors had protective walls built of dressed stones of sandstone. Whatever has been traced so far conforms to the description of Dwarka and the Mahabharata to a large extent. Similarly, the large number of stone anchors is indicative of overseas trade. The large ships were anchored to the sea, whereas the small ones were near to the warehouses on the Gamadi, part of which has been submerged. The layout of the excavated city the spread and location of fort walls, and the bastions matched the descriptions mentioned in the Harry Vamsha, a prologue to the Mahabharata. Harry Vamsha described the city of Dwarka in minute details. According to it, the area of Dwarka was 12 Yojanas. It was connected to the mainland by a strip, which is visible even now in low tide. The city excavated is of the same size. The Harry Vamsha, detailing the security arrangements, says that there were seals without which one could not enter the city. Seals of a particular description were found on the seabed. A stone image of Vishnu, chert blades, and pottery are all part of the recovered objects. Certain coins were found during excavations underwater, having inscriptions similar to details found in the Mahabharata. 
the reclamation of land from waterlogged areas referred to in the Mahabharata in order to build the city is also attested to by boulder foundations over which walls and bastions were raised. In 2001, the students of the Institute of Oceanography Technology were commissioned by the Indian government to do a survey on pollution in the Gulf of Combat, seven miles from the shore. During the survey, they found buildings made of stones covered in mud and sand covering five square miles. Divers collected blocks, samples, artifacts, and copper coins, which scientists believe is the evidence from an age that is about 3,600 years old. Some of the samples were sent to Manipur and Oxford universities for carbon dating, and the results created more suspicion since some of the objects were found to be 9,000 years old. The NIOT returned for further investigation in the Gulf from October 2002 to January 2003. During these excavations, the NIOT reported finding two paleo channels flanked by rectangular and square basement-like features. Artifacts were recovered by means of dredging, including pottery shards, microliths, wattle and daub remains, and hearth materials. In January 2007, the Underwater Archaeology Wing of the Archaeological Survey of India began excavations at Dwarka yet again. But the work on further excavation has met a formidable roadblock in the form of academic indifference and government apathy. It seems India's central government no longer has much interest in the excavations at Dwarka or the one at the Gulf of Cambay. Based on the correlation between the excavated structures and artifacts with the description of Dwarka in the Hari Vamsha Purana, and the fact that the carbon dating of artifacts falls around 3500 BCE, the same period concluded by many astronomers as the period of the Mahabharata War and the submersion of Dwarka, it is more than reasonable to conclude that the excavated site near Bet Dwarka is indeed the legendary city of Dwarka. Studies have proven that the sea considerably and suddenly rose to submerge the city. The Hari Vamsha describes the submerging of Dwarka, saying, Krishna instructed Arjuna, who was then visiting Dwarka, to evacuate the residents as the sea was going to engulf the city. On the seventh day, as the last of the citizens were leaving the city, the sea entered the streets of Dwarka. According to experts, there could have been three reasons why the sea entered the land. One, a change in the level of seabed. Two, a massive earthquake. And three, sudden increase in the level of seawater. Of the three, the last is the most plausible. If it was a change in the level of seabed, some remains of the tearing off action on the shore would be visible, which is absent. Earthquake can be ruled out as the structures have not collapsed because of the shake. The third reason seems most plausible as a similar phenomenon had occurred on the shores of Bahrain around the same time as some recent findings indicate. It is to be noted here that considerable work has been done onshore and offshore in Bahrain, which has indicated trade and other relations between the western coast of India and the coast of present-day Bahrain. It may seem surprising that the majority of academia has taken little notice of the findings at Dwarka. In its early days, the project received UNESCO support and several foreign marine archaeologists also offered help. Unfortunately, the government's indifference to the project has kept them away. But, when you consider that this discovery threatens to upend academia's current historical timeline and paradigm, 
it really is not all that surprising they would choose to ignore it and continue disseminating their own fiction.